Welcome to Intuitive Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Ackerman, the Intuitive RD. I'm a non-diet registered dietitian and intuitive eating coach. My mission is to help women recover from diet culture and heal their relationship to food and body. Follow along as I speak with leading professionals in the field and explore concepts of intuitive eating, health at every size, and body liberation. Hello and welcome to episode 28 of Intuitive Bites. For the episode this week, I'm chatting with Vinci Chue, who is a fellow registered dietitian. And also, Vinci has a history working with weight loss surgery patients. Uh, For those of you who have been following my podcast for a bit, you probably know that I also got my career started uh, working in bariatric surgery. So uh, this conversation with with Vinci was very just really interesting to compare our experiences working in that field and then kind of making the shift away from a weight-centric industry, you know, probably like the most weight-centric industry possible, um, to this non-diet approach um, and working with intuitive eating. So we really just compare our experiences and discuss that. Um, And it's a really great conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Before I jump into that, just a reminder that I am hosting an intuitive eating workshop in New York City on March 23rd. So it's a two-hour workshop from 1 to 3 p.m. It's at a location that's very, very close to Grand Central. So if you're you know, uh, traveling in for the event, it's going to be really easy to access from there. Um, and it's only $69 if you purchase before uh, February 23rd, which is next Saturday if you're uh, listening to this as the episode is dropping. Uh, so yeah, definitely let me know if you're interested in attending. Um, I do have very limited spots. I, the room is not that big. Uh, so let me know and I can get you a ticket and that's all I have for you guys right now. So let's go ahead and listen into my conversation with Vinci. All right, Vinci. So we are recording. Um, I'd love to just have you, you know, introduce yourself to my listeners and just a little bit about, you know, what you do and and where you're at. Sure. So my name is Vinci Choi. I'm a registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor from Calgary in Canada. Um, I used to work as a bariatric dietitian for over five years. And um, over the past, I would say just over two years, really transitioned my practice into one that involves intuitive eating, health at every size and mindful eating. So yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, you know, people who have listened to my podcast have probably heard me talk about um, my own history with um, working in bariatrics. So that was actually my first position um, as a dietitian. So I'm like super excited to just hear more about your experience with this. And I know some of my listeners are people who have had surgery or things like that, or, and are just now in this community. So um, I guess to just jump right in, I'd love to hear how you found yourself, you know, in the weight loss surgery um, industry and kind of what that experience was like for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I like to say that like, it feels like almost everything that's kind of come up in my career has just kind of 
fallen in my lap. Um, it's not necessarily something that I was like actively seeking out. And um, so with that position at the bariatric surgery clinic, I have always been part-time in my private practice and part-time working in um, our hospital system, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so I was like really just looking for a part-time position and this was the part-time position that was available. So I applied for it. And I even remember when I was writing the cover letter for the position, I was like, well, you know, if you had told me at the beginning of my career that I would be working in the area of weight management and bariatric surgery, I wouldn't have necessarily believed you because um, growing up, I... I think my exposure to, um, you know, the weight loss industry was looking at, um, so I'm Chinese. And so we had a lot of magazines from Hong Kong in my house growing up. And it was a lot of um, celebrities who were of very low weight going to these advertising, these weight loss spas about being at an even lower weight. Um, And, and so like, it just, I just felt like, I could do more with nutrition than weight loss. And so it wasn't, you know, like kind of something that I was jumping to do. And at the time, um, I definitely, I think it was around that time that obesity uh, became recognized as a disease by the American Medical Association and then the Canadian Medical Association. So I think my frame of mind going into that position was like, well, you know, I guess obesity is a disease and, and we need to be doing this work. And I'm also looking for something that's more part-time so I can focus on my private practice. And that's kind of how I got into that position. Yeah. It's so funny because I can totally relate with you. Um, because for me, it was like, the reason I got into it was like, Oh, like, again, it was like kind of this like per diem position, which was what I was looking for. And it was, I was at the time I was moving to, I was moving to Connecticut. So um, I got the job there and I was like, okay, this is perfect. Like it just like kind of worked out logistically. Um, And also I knew that I really liked um, the idea of working in like outpatient and like being able to sit down with, you know, a client and, and work with them one-on-one in that setting. So it was like those other things that kind of drew, drew me in. It was certainly not like, okay, my purpose is to be working, you know, in weight loss <laughs> surgery it just kind of happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell me more about like how, what happened with like, you know, you finding, intuitive eating or mindful eating, um, and health at every size, like where did that, you know, how did that happen for you? And and what was that process like being in a bariatric surgery clinic at the time? Great question. So I actually heard about, excuse me, I actually heard about intuitive eating, um, quite early on in my career before the bariatric clinic, Mm -hmm. um, Evelyn Tribley actually came to, I think she came to Calgary to speak. And I remember, um, she was so energetic and enthusiastic. If you've ever heard her speak, she just has so much energy and brings so much energy into the room. And so I had read intuitive eating. And, and um, if you look at my copy that I still have right now, there are all these like sticky tabs flying out of it because the way that her and Elise Resch um, frame different things is just like, they're, they're really great with words and analogies. Um, and at the time, though, like the idea of intuitive eating, like being a weight neutral health at every size sort of thing, like didn't actually click for me when I read the book. And I, and I think that's um, actually the experience that a lot of people have as well, even with the latest edition is that um, they still sort of see there is some, there are some like still kind of weight centric mm. messages 
in there. Um, and I know it's really been over the past few years that, um, and in the past few months in particular, Evelyn Tribley has really been coming out being like, hey, um, intuitive eating is weight inclusive. It's not meant to be for weight loss, but I digress. Um, yeah. Because like, so the way that I read it was like, oh, you put weight on the back burner. So if you don't think about weight and you do intuitive eating, then you will be in a healthy weight range was kind of how I interpreted it. So yeah. I never, so at the time I didn't see it as um, necessarily a weight inclusive practice. And then um, it was actually listening to Christy Harrison's podcast, Food Psych. Um, I was, again, like just randomly looking for podcasts that were hosted by dietitians. And Food Psych was one of the first ones that came up. And so, I, you know, when I was listening to that first episode that I listened to, it started, you know, because I was like, oh, I've heard about intuitive eating before, but it sort of gave me this new perspective on like what body positivity actually meant. And I remember um, the first question that kind of came up for me was, is is it body positive to want to lose weight? Um, and, you know, I actually had put that question out to, you know, a just a general dietitian's Facebook group that I was a part of. And I remember everyone was just like, yes, of course, like you can be, you can love your body and still want to make it better. Or um, of course, like you can't hate your body. Like you can't lose weight if you're hating your body. Mm -hmm. And, but those answers didn't necessarily satisfy me because I was like, well, how can you say that weight loss is make quote unquote, making your body better or, um, and, and so that kind of like started my journey into really figuring out what body positivity actually meant and, um, yeah, starting to change my practice a bit and, and moving away from, uh, the, sort of that more weight centric work that I was doing before. Yeah. I think it's so interesting that you heard about intuitive eating, you know, a little bit earlier in your journey, but like it, it and you read the whole book and you heard Evelyn speak. Um, and yet it didn't quite click, you know, that it was this like health, health at every size aligned work or whatever. And like you said, even for, you know, Evelyn Triboli, I mean, it's been her own journey as well to kind of shift um, in that um, more impactful way. But I think it's interesting because I think in so many ways, like you can have a full conversation about mindful eating, intuitive eating, body positivity, and yet it can be so steeped in diet culture and so steeped in a weight-centric, like, yeah, a weight-centric approach. Um, and it's so hard to like make that, that, um, that shift to where it actually is like in its truest form and like, it's actually, you know, weight inclusive. Um, so I just, I find that fascinating because I think a lot of people, um, misinterpret kind of, um, the purpose of it and that, that makes it really hard to get this message across. Absolutely. And I think part of it has to do with the fact that, um, I, I would say at, at the outset, intuitive eating and mindful eating weren't exclusively um, weight neutral practices like when, you know, like, or not maybe exclusively isn't the right word, but they weren't um, 
yeah, it wasn't like kind of spelled out that these were weight inclusive practices kind of when, um, when they were first conceptualized, I, I think. And it's only been in more recent years that, you know, they've been more solid in the messaging that yes, like mindful eating and intuitive eating are not meant for weight loss. But I think part of the reason why it's been so easy for diet culture to co-opt these messages methods is because I think when they first came out, it wasn't something that was, um, you know, necessarily exclusively weight inclusive, if that makes any sense. Oh my God. That, that's such a, yeah, such a good point. That's totally true. I get that. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious too, like what, like what was the point in your journey when you were like, okay, I'm learning about all this stuff and I'm really like embracing it in a new way, um, that you were like, I, or, or I guess I should ask really, like, was there a point where you were just like, I can't do this work in bariatrics anymore? Or was it really that you just decided to move on for other reasons? Like, what was that uh, particular point in your journey like? Um, so yeah, so there actually was a moment in my journey. Because um, I think, I don't know if this has, was your experience um, within like the bariatric surgery or obesity quote unquote industry. Um, but I feel like we're at a point where um, clinicians are recognizing that it's not weight loss at all costs. And th- I do see a lot of paradigm straddling um, in sort of that obesity world in terms of like recognizing um, the the importance and impact of weight stigma, um, recognizing that, you know, the, fo- the focus is on health, not necessarily on the number on the scale. Um, but there's still some, a lot of elements of fat phobia that you know, are still in there. So there's a lot of paradigm straddling. And I think in a sense, for me, that's kind of like what made it a bit easier to mm. accept um, the health at every size messages and to kind of incorporate that into my work. And okay. and there was, um, I think for almost a year, like I tried my best to like kind of do quote unquote covert health at every size within um, the bariatric clinic. So I viewed my role more uh, as like a surgical dietitian as opposed to a bariatric surgery dietitian. So when I saw people before their surgery, I always, I always kind of talked about, you know, my goal is to make sure that you're well nourished going into the surgery. And um, at the center that I was working at, there wasn't a requirement to lose weight before the surgery, which made it easier for me to kind of Um, work from that framework. And then after the surgery, um, the way that I kind of framed it was, you know, again, like my goal is to make sure that you're well nourished and meeting your nutrition needs, given this, the restrictions that um, the surgery has had on you. So, so I was sort of able to kind of practice from as weight inclusive a way as possible. And then what really kind of pushed me to like, okay, like I really need to get out of doing this work was, um, I would say, I think it was a couple summers ago, there was a very controversial blog post on the ASDA blog um, that was talking about bariatric surgery and how this clinician was trying to align bariatric surgery and health at every size. And um, 
and it received a lot of pushback. A lot of people were very upset. Um, and I'm sure you've seen the comments before on how like um, some people in the health and every size community see bariatric surgery as quote unquote stomach amputation. Yeah. And, um, and I think one of the comments that really stuck out for me was like these clinicians who work in bariatric surgery are making money off the backs of oppressing people in larger bodies. Mm. And um, that like hit me really hard. And um, I didn't get caught in like the whole, all the comment wars. I was just reading the comments. Um, but already that was enough for me to say, okay, like I can't continue doing this work if I'm out here saying like, I want to help people um, who are like, yeah, kind of uh, liberation for yeah. everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's funny because I just see so many parallels in our, um, in our experiences. Um, I certainly did the kind of the same thing that you did where I learned about this work and I was like, wow, mind blown. Like I was like totally taken aback from it, but I also, um, wanted to see, I mean, there was kind of a time period where I was like, okay, I'm in this position. Like, how can I help these people in a way that I feel ethically, you know, good about and how, I mean, I'm here to help them. You know, how can I do that from this lens? Um, the problems, I would say, I don't think I felt exactly the same in my experience that, um, there was a lot of awareness around weight stigma in the, the clinic I was in. I really, I don't feel that way. Um, I was running into a lot of issues with, um, you know, we didn't have a weight loss requirement prior to surgery per se. Um, but if somebody gained a couple pounds throughout their, you know, six months of nutrition or whatever, um, they would be, we wouldn't allow them to be submitted to for surgery. Mm -hmm. And then they would, you know, there'd be like this crazy thing where they had to try and lose those two pounds or three pounds to be oh, submitted gosh. or like someone would gain, like another situation I saw sometimes was like somebody would have lost like X number of pounds, like, a, you know, a more substantial amount of weight. And then they would have come to us and started the journey. And then they would gradually start regaining that weight in a natural weight restoration, you know, process. And they would be, you know, ridiculed by other professionals that I was working with and, and, you know, saying that they're, you know, not sticking to whatever they need to. And then therefore they have to re like, they have to relose all of that weight in order to be submitted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so difficult because um, I, I remember even within the clinic that I was working in, like people, patients slash clients, however you, yeah. Um, yeah, they they voiced that it felt like they were jumping through hoops. Um, yes. Yeah, and it, and it was like, you know, that they have to do all these things to kind of like please whoever in order to, you know, access healthcare or, you know, access what they believed would be the best care for them. Um, yeah. which is, yeah, just like essentially <laughs> oppression of right. larger bodies. So, yeah, I know. And for so the way, the thing that was so difficult for me was that for many of the people sitting in front of me, um, 
you know, the things that I would have to recommend for them to even have a chance of possibly getting down to the weight that they would need to be submitted, I did not feel ethically good about. And I didn't feel like it was aligned with what I believed to be best for them. Um, mm-hmm. And that was such a, a difficult position. And at the same time, they would be sitting in front of me saying, you know, the surgeon or whoever is going to expect me to lose this weight and you're not helping me to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Really yeah, the expectations that are put on dietitians as well, yes. you know, to, to be like the food police or to do things that really are not scientifically possible. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Such a, such a frustrating position to be in. So I, I guess I'm curious now to know, like, how do you feel like your experience, you know, with bariatric surgery and working with those patients, like, how do you feel like that experience is kind of informing your work now? Um, and yeah, what do you kind of take with you from that experience? Mm-hmm. Well, I remember um, kind of earlier on, early on in my health at every size sort of quote unquote journey for lack of a better word. Um, Meredith Noble, who runs like made on a generous plan talked about how one of the ways um, to kind of for people, for anyone really to um, help kind of deprogram some of that internalized fat phobia um, is to really just like expose yourself to more people in in larger bodies and so in some in some ways for me like that position was great for that because yeah I just got to see a lot of people who were in larger bodies just living their life and and yeah. just being themselves and there were just so many um, vibrant and interesting people that I got to meet, um, which I don't think I would have been able to meet in any other sort of healthcare or even like real life setting. Um, So that was something that really carried with me, like, was that, yeah, I did get to see people who were like at the, at the higher ends of the weight spectrum, um, who, you know, often might not be accessing healthcare or accessing a dietitian because of weight stigma within the healthcare system. So, um, so that's something that I carry with me is that I, you know, kind of is like, are some of the experiences that they've shared with me um, and that. Um, And I, yeah, and I, and so I think that's kind of one of the biggest things that, that comes from that experience. Yeah, I love that. And I think that like, even I don't know how much time I've taken to reflect on it. But I feel like in so many ways, it's like, the the stigma and the assumptions um, that people make about people in larger bodies have kind of been shattered for me because I did spend so much time sitting in front of these people telling me about their life experiences about, you know, things that that they were engaging in and, and also just like, um, uh, comments that had come their way and things like that. Like, I feel like it's just a total perspective shift, um, you know, spending that amount of time with, with people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I'm curious, I don't know, you know, yeah, I'm not sure what response you'll give to this, but I guess I'm just curious, like what your personal view is on weight loss surgery now that you've been through this and you, you know, have different things that you've learned about with health at every size and everything like what is your view on it um 
Well, I think like one, I want to just start by saying that one of the things, um, one of the components of health at every size and body positivity is body autonomy. So respecting what each individual wants to do to and for their body. So like, you know, if you are someone who wants to pursue bariatric surgery for whatever reason, it's not necessarily my job to be like talking you out of it just because I believe in, you know, weight inclusivity, inclusivity, sorry, and health at every size. Um, That being said, I think what's tricky is that um, as a procedure, weight loss surgeries are relatively new. And I don't think we know all the long-term effects of um, the surgery. Like I think in a lot of, I think it's often being promoted as quote unquote, the most effective weight loss tool that we have. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I don't think people know sort of the, um, some of the long-term outcomes, um, especially in terms of mental health. Like now we know that there are, um, there's research coming out that people who have had bariatric surgery experience higher rates of substance abuse, of divorce, of suicide. Um, And so, you know, there's a lot more there that hasn't been quite explored in terms of risk because, um, you know, when before any procedure, um, you know, surgeons and doctors have to talk about the potential risks and not just the benefits, but often the risks just end up being the, the risks that end up being mentioned are sort of the, um, the more short term ones or like the ones that can happen like on the operating table. And I don't think we have enough research on the long term risks to really say like, this is the most effective tool for weight loss. And I also believe that at the end of the day, like, um, it's not just about weight. Like, sure, we know that um, people uh, who are higher weight um, tend to have more negative health outcomes, but are those negative health outcomes because of weight itself or is it because of weight stigma? Because uh, we know that there's research out there that shows that um, stigma alone causes negative health, health outcomes regardless of weight and weight loss surgery does not fix stigma. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of another thing to kind of put out there as well. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I, again, I respect that anything is a person's individual choice. I just feel like not all the, we don't have all the information available, um, when it comes to weight loss surgery to be able to call it quote unquote, the most effective tool that we have for weight loss right now. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't, couldn't agree more. And I think that, you know, from a bird's eye view, I mean, weight loss surgery really is just assuming um, and making the assumption that weight and higher weight is the cause of some of these other comorbidities and whatever. um, And not thinking about like, Maybe, you know, really the truth is that there's an association between higher weight and certain comorbidities, but simply, quote unquote, fixing the weight or, 
you know, shrinking the body size or whatever doesn't automatically cure all those things. And especially like you, you mentioned, like, you know, the long-term impacts and um, risks involved with the surgery aren't totally being talked about and, and, you know, we don't have enough information on them, but also the long-term benefits because sure, like we can talk about in the first year after surgery there for some people, you know, there are shifts in, you know, blood sugar or blood pressure or some of these things. But what about the long-term impact? What's happening to people five, 10 years out? And there just simply isn't enough information on that. And certainly not enough, like saying that it's super effective and and beneficial. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's really a good point about, you know, long-term benefits, because I, again, I'm not sure what your experience at your center was, but at my center, because of capacity, um, we discharged people one year after their surgery. And so, you know, and we know that that first year is when people tend to see, you know, the most weight loss and the most positive um, yeah. health outcomes. Yeah. Um, and so like, you know, all these people were lost after that first year and we have no idea kind of what happened to them. I think after I left, they were talking about like, calling people back like for research at like the two year, five year and 10 year mark. Um, but you know, like it's having regular follow-up with health professionals is different from, you know, just being called about for research. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. And also too, like with, I always think about too, with long-term follow-up with weight loss surgery, or even just coming back to your surgeon and checking in, like, in this particular situation with all this stigma, you know, somebody who has regained weight or regained a lot of the weight, um, I would imagine they would be less likely to return because of, you know, feeling like they were going to be told that they failed or feeling like they failed or something like that. So that, that also plays into it, you know? Yeah. 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 And Uh, like, I think the statistics are that like, I think somewhere between 25 to 50% is a huge range. I think depending on the surgery and depending on the study of people regain their weight after surgery, but that's often something that's not expressed to people or it is, but people I think go into surgery thinking I'm not going to be part of that 25 to 50%. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, Wow. I feel like we could talk about this forever. This was such a great conversation. So I really, really appreciate you taking the time, Vinci. Um, I guess we're just going to wrap up here and I'd love for you to um, give people some information about, you know, where they can find you online and and just more of your work. Sure. Yeah. So um, probably the best way to learn more about what I do online is through my website, vincichoy.com. So I know my name is not spelled how it's pronounced. <laughs> it's V-I-N-C-C-I-T-S-U-I.com. Um, and I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at VinciRD. So it's V-I-N-C-C-I-R-D. Perfect. Awesome. And I'll link below so people can easily find you. Um, thank you again so much for taking the time today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. All right, guys, that is the episode this week. Thank you so much for listening. If you have been enjoying the episodes you're hearing so far, I would greatly appreciate you taking a moment to leave a review or a rating over on iTunes. Uh, It only takes a second and it makes a big difference. 
Uh, So thank you in advance if you have the time to do that. I hope you guys all have a really great week and I will talk to you soon.